Hello. Today I thought I'd talk to you again about my life, about the forks in the long and winding road of my life. When I was at school, unlike many students who excelled in one field of study and performed abysmally in another, I enjoyed all my subjects, especially science, French and history, and did quite well in all of them. I also liked sport, especially swimming. But unlike those who were great at one field and not at another, I had no clear direction in which to head. I liked the thought of interior architectural design after school, for which I passed the entry exam, and I also liked the idea of becoming a primary school teacher. And along with that, I had a love of science. When I won a full scholarship to the university, I thought that maybe I should give up the idea of teacher training at the teacher's college and interior design at the technical college and put my scholarship to use by studying science at Sydney University. And so that's where I went. However, there was a big problem. After years of hard work at school, I was burnt out. I was so tired of study. I really needed a gap year, but that wasn't very common in those days. And I was worried that if I did take a year off, I would risk forgetting my maths, chemistry and physics. I was also incredibly immature. It wasn't a good way to start a university degree. As the months went by at university, I began to hate the place. Slowly, my love of science was being destroyed and finally, I just couldn't bear it any longer and dropped out. My parents were very upset, of course, and tried to persuade me to hold the scholarship off till the following year. But my love of science was gone and I didn't want to return to a place I had come to hate. My parents could have advised me to turn the university scholarship into a teacher scholarship and follow my second choice, but they didn't. They didn't advise me and I didn't realise that I could have done this. If I had, I probably would have become a teacher. Being young, immature and stupid, I let my academic possibilities drift away. I just wanted my freedom. And at that point, I entered the world of unskilled work. I was 18 years old and had no experience at anything except some teenage jobs I had done while at school. I had got done gardening for a little while, but I think I sometimes took out some good plants along with the weeds. I had also minded a woman's phone while she was out by taking telephone messages for her, but I wasn't very good at that either. My favourite job was babysitting for a couple of families nearby. In one particular job, I minded two little boys called Adam and Angus, and we all got on like a house on fire. Then I made my decision to travel to Britain and Europe. I thought that this experience would help me to make up my mind about what I really wanted to do. So I found a job in the city working in a big hotel as a maid I made beds and cleaned rooms and the work was very hectic with a strict deadline. I didn't mind the work, 
but there was a very strict supervisor on the floor who was never satisfied, no matter how beautifully I had made up the room. She always found fault and was nasty about it. The other maids were foreigners who barely spoke English, so there was no camaraderie at lunchtime. It was a miserable, awful job, and I didn't last there very long. My next job was as a waitress in a big businessman's restaurant in town. It was a brilliant job and I loved it. All the staff were lovely and we made good friends with each other. The customers were also very nice and I enjoyed serving them. As a shy teenager though, who hadn't learnt the important art of small talk, this job taught me an essential life skill. It also sharpened my memory as I had to remember what was ordered, who ordered it, and where they were sitting, at tables of up to 30 people. The job made me very fit and gave me a strong back. I calculated that we waitresses walked about 12 miles or 20 kilometers per day, often carrying heavy trays. In this job, I earned $1 per hour. So after a 40-hour week, I received $36 in my pay packet after tax. I paid my parents $6 for rent and saved all the rest for my planned trip. After one year's work, I had saved up and paid for a return ticket to London via the Indian Pacific train across Australia and a three-day stop in both Singapore and Athens along the way, plus a one-week skiing holiday in Austria and a three-week camping trip around Scandinavia and the then USSR. This would be a working holiday, so once in Britain, I would look for a job to live on. The first job I found in London was at a big department store called Barker's in Kensington. I was allocated to the menswear department, and what an experience that was, working with very competitive men. We earned £12 per week, plus one penny for every pound's worth of clothing sold. I remember one of the salesmen saw some new stock coming onto the floor one day and he hid it so the others wouldn't know. And when the customer asked for this particular new item and the other salesman couldn't help, this salesman would rush in on the scene and steal the customer, grabbing the sale as he pulled out the hidden goods. After a fantastic skiing holiday in Austria, I returned to London and found another job working as a catering assistant in a very famous health food restaurant in town just off Carnaby Street. Famous film and television stars would sometimes come into the place but I was too busy to notice. We assistants set the tables, prepared the food, served the food and cleaned up afterwards. It was a fun job but the boss was horrible to me for some reason, I don't know why. I always tried my best. So when my trip to Scandinavia and the USSR came up, I was glad to leave. The trip was fantastic. Norway was absolutely beautiful. And for a teenager to have a real life view of life in a communist country such as the USSR, it certainly helped to change my attitude from being a smug little know-it-all ignorant lefty to a more sensible and conservative pro-democracy adult. Travel can teach you a lot about life.
On returning to London, I made up my mind to study professional photography and returned to Sydney to enrol at the Sydney Technical College. I loved the first year of the course and found a good job in photography during the day while studying at night. However, by the end of the first year, I started having my doubts about running my own photography business. Apart from having been burnt out with study and having been incredibly immature, I lacked self-confidence. In fact, when I think of it now, I had never had any confidence in my abilities, even when I won a Commonwealth scholarship. In those days, parents didn't tell you when you were doing well, only when you were doing badly. Self-esteem wasn't a thing that was talked about back then. And although I don't think it is good to overpraise children when it's not deserved, I think praise when it is due is important. So once again, I dropped out. What a failure I was becoming. What a terrible disappointment to my parents. One day, I was walking down the road and saw a sign outside Tech saying, last day to apply for the Biological Technician Certificate. I stopped and thought, wow, this sounds a great course. So I went straight inside and signed up immediately. It was a four-year part-time course, but because I had done well at school, they gave me a one-year exemption. In the daytime, I worked as a laboratory assistant in the genetics department at Sydney University, and at night I studied hard at tech. In the weekend, I did my homework. It was a busy time, but I loved the course and did well, coming top at the end of the three years with honours and winning, winning the Technical College Medal. I had finally succeeded. In my job in genetics, my short-sightedness came in handy. One job I had to do was to look after the Drosophila flies, cute little fruit flies used for genetics research due to their very big chromosomes. Whereas other people had to examine the flies under the macroscope, I could just take off my glasses, get up close and observe them with my naked eye. I had to anaesthetize the flies just after they had hatched from their pupae while they were still virgins and separate the boys from the girls. Then I put them back into their separate homes until it was time for mating. The flies came in various types depending on their genes. There were curly wings, straight wings, vestigial wings, white-eyed, red-eyed and various other assortments that we used for setting up different genetic matings so that we could examine the resulting characteristics of their offspring. It was an interesting job with plenty of variety, friendly staff and a nice boss. I really enjoyed working at the university while I studied my course. Once I received my qualifications, I found a great job as a scientific officer at the Garvin Institute of Medical Research. This institute specialised in human endocrinology in conjunction with helping patients at the nearby St Vincent's Hospital. We did both clinical and research work and I specialised in gonadotrophin and steroid hormones, especially in regard to human fertility. At first I felt very unconfident as the per person teaching me my job was very bad at explaining it. 
I was due to replace her within a couple of weeks and had a lot to learn in a short time. I became terribly anxious and felt that the boss would sack me for being useless. And one weekend, my father, who was a doctor, said to try a Valium tranquilizer to see if that would help me calm down. He gave me a quarter of a dose to see what would happen and I felt so drowsy and unable to think clearly that we decided that this wasn't a solution. Finally, the day arrived when my teacher was gone and I had to do the job myself. I kept calm, set up my three radioimmunoassays, LH, FSH and HCG for those who know their biology and waited to see the results. These tests ran over a three-day period, so I didn't know how well things were going for a while. Finally, I got the results. Everything was okay, and my boss was happy with me. From that time on, I slowly built up my confidence. All the staff were very friendly. My boss was fantastic, and I learned so much by attending the compulsory lunchtime lectures every Wednesday. Apart from doing clinical work, to help the doctors diagnose disease. I also helped with research into monoclonal antibodies for human growth hormone. I remember that one time the boss of the whole institute came to me and said, I want you to set up a test for LH using radioactive iodine-131 and FSH using iodine-128, all in the same tube. I said, all in the same tube? And he said, You eat sausages and potatoes, don't you? I ran downstairs to talk to the bioengineer and he told me what I needed to do. The experiment worked perfectly and when the big boss came into the lab at the end of the week, there was a graph of the results, looking beautiful and waiting for his approval. He approved. Working at the Garvin was fantastic. Every day was different and interesting And it was the best job I have ever had. After this job, I got married, had three children and became a full-time mother for a decade. I loved the job of being a mother, watching all the different stages of development in my own little creations. I was one of the last generation of mothers to be able to stay in hospital for a week after childbirth. And my childbirths were particularly terrible so I needed the week to recover. I feel so sorry for young mothers now who are booted out of hospital only a few hours after labour. I think it is an absolute disgrace and shows a total disrespect for motherhood. And although my husband was on a very ordinary wage, it was enough in those days to survive on one wage so that mothers and fathers could play their traditional roles. The man as the breadwinner and the woman as the nurturer and carer of the house and the family budget. I find it very sad that in the West especially, these traditional roles practiced throughout the whole of human history are now sniggered at and disrespected. Once my youngest child started preschool, I went back to part-time work at Macquarie University, again working in the genetics department. However, I found that having been away from science for a decade, I was rusty and technology had changed. Although I quite enjoyed the work, I much preferred to be at home with my children. 
watching the progress of my sons as they moved through school, I became quite horrified at the low standard of education. And by the time my third son was in mid-primary school, I felt I couldn't bear it any longer. I would look at the quality of his work and the way he was learning it. And although I liked the teachers and thought the school was in a beautiful location, I kept thinking, I can do better than this. I realised that I could teach my son in a much better way and teach him far more knowledge. I know that the idea of learning knowledge is on the nose with modern school teachers. I totally disagree with this attitude. Whereas the teachers refer to the gaining of knowledge as the regurgitation of facts, I regard it as the foundation onto which new knowledge can be added. The whole history of Western civilization is based on the gaining and organization of knowledge. The applied use of this knowledge has created the modern technological society in which we now live. Where did computers, mobile phones, electricity, vaccinations, anesthetics and everything else in the modern world come from? Purely from the gaining and evolution of knowledge. Anyway, between my part-time job, I managed to homeschool my third child from grades 5 to 10. And after that, he went to tech and then university. We studied 90 minutes of maths every morning. And our week was divided up into English grammar, spelling, punctuation, writing, comprehension, vocab building, poetry, physics, chemistry, biology, geology, French, German, Latin, Australian, English and world history, geography, art, music and sport. For sport, my son did soccer, fencing, 10-pin bowling and ice skating. He also joined Cub Scouts, Kids Club and Children's Church. He had plenty of friends and better friends than when he had been at school, where he had suffered from bullying. He gained a love of learning and is now what you would call a polymath, having studied a master's degree in neuroscience, a diploma in the teaching of English as a second language and a certificate in advanced Mandarin. My other two sons, despite their poor education, not because of it, have succeeded through their own hard efforts. My eldest is a talented freelance television editor working on top shows in London and my middle boy has worked as an international troubleshooter for businesses and governments and is now a public relations man for an important pharmaceutical company. I am very proud of the achievements of all of my children. While still working at Macquarie University, I started tutoring English to some Chinese, Japanese and Korean children and teenagers after school. The Oriental parents weren't happy with the low standard of school education either. They thought the same way as I did and chose me as their favourite tutor. My little tutoring job built up and up until I no longer needed my university job in order to teach the children grammar, which I think is essential for mastering English. I started writing my own lesson notes and over time organised them into chapters and then into a book. 
There were no good modern grammar books for school children sold at the shops, so I was glad to be able to use my own notes in my lessons. After a while, I thought, I wonder if an educational publisher would like to publish my book. So I set to work sending my manuscript around the publishers. For a whole year, I was rejected. No, 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 no. You have to get used to no if you want to publish a book. But after a year, I was about to give up when miraculously, on my birthday, I was rung by Pascal Press, publishers of Excel, Go Guides and other books. The chief editor said that she'd been trying to contact me for three months but had lost my address. I signed the contract the next day, not knowing if it were a good contract or not. I was just so happy that my book would be published. Within a month, my book had beaten the record for book sales at Pascal Press and the editor was very happy. I still receive royalties every year and the book continues to sell well. They even invited me to uh, uh, write another book, which I did a few months later, and it also became a bestseller. It just goes to show that although the school system didn't think that grammar was an important subject anymore, parents obviously disagreed and wanted their children to learn this lost art. I still work as a tutor, but have branched out into the teaching of other subjects as well. I now now teach English, Math, Science, History, Geography, French and German. Being flexible with the ability to teach several subjects helps make my students happy and keeps my brain active. Although I used to teach students either at their home or mine, since the pandemic I have mainly gone online and the lessons still work very well. I'm very lucky to be able to work at home and have such a wonderful, pleasurable job with beautiful children to work with. Now, as you can see, there have been many forks in the long and winding road of my job life. I would say that it is very important to give children confidence as they go through school. Not overconfidence, not undue praise, but honest praise when it is earned. I don't agree with the saying that you can be anything you want to be. If you're no good at maths, then you are not going to become an astrophysicist. If you're not born with a talent for art or music, you're never going to be a brilliant artist or musician. Parents shouldn't build up the hopes of their children by lying to them and being totally unrealistic about their child's abilities. But on the other hand, they should search for the strengths in their children and give them a boost when they can. A lack of confidence can be very destructive to a child's future, as you can see from part of my own story. I got off to a bad start, but in the end I succeeded, and thank God for that. Although I have had some difficult struggles throughout my life, I have also been a very lucky person and I'm so grateful for the forks in the road that I took.